0: 9th millennia, before Common Era. Beer is discovered when grain stored in a clay pot is left in the rain. For the first time, human beings are ingesting a psychoactive compound. Over the next 6,000 years, humanity will discover the coca leaf, the poppy, and many other ways to enjoy not having Netflix. 1839, Common Era. The British enter into the first Opium War with the Chinese. Although opium is a central character in this conflict, this is really a war over silver and sovereignty, and defeat will spell disaster for the Qing dynasty. They'll end up hosting another opium war in 1856. 1919, the 18th amendment to the constitution is ratified, banning the sale and use of alcohol. This is actually part of a much larger movement to ban drugs, one whose ripples can be felt even today. Protestants are happy because everyone is finally as bored as they are. 1971, a report gets published stating that troops in Vietnam are experiencing an epidemic of heroin use and President Nixon declares drugs public enemy number one. This marks the beginning of the war on drugs. Despite the discovery that Dickie Nix was in fact a crook, we will continue to fight this war to the present day, spending over a trillion dollars on bullshit like ads about eggs and arresting stoners. 2012, Colorado and Washington become the first two states to legalize the use of recreational cannabis. States that have since followed their lead are Alaska, Oregon, California, Nevada, Maine, and Massachusetts. A nation holds its breath watching an unstable dichotomy build between state and federal lawmakers I'm Ben Morsillo and welcome to prohibition if you were designing a society what would you prohibit all right now like say that you're 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 given full powers. You can, you can write all the laws. You're in charge of the whole shebang. And it comes time for you to decide whether or not people can ingest certain stuff, right? Uh, you might say that, like, rather easily, like, oh, I'm not going to let people use heroin, or I'm not going to let people use crack, right? Those are bad. We can pretty much agree that they're, they're, they're pretty bad, uh, at least. Good. Granted, very few of us have any real experience with them, but I think we could still sort of say that you know no crack no heroin all right so maybe maybe we'll start there um but would you prohibit cocaine would you prohibit opium would you prohibit alcohol or weed right so what we do now is we prohibit weed and we allow alcohol and i I think that that's it's a good place to start when we're talking about prohibitions. um, Because if you look at the numbers, it's it really, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Um, You know, I mean, we all like know people who drink if we don't. Uh, According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, uh, over 86% of people over 18 admit to drinking at some point in their life. Right. And that's, that's a pretty large number. And it might even be a little lower than, than the truth, you know? Um, But in the same study, 56% of people said that they had a drink in the past month. um, And uh, 26.9 admitted to binge drinking. Right. Um, And, and alcohol, it's, it's not, it's not a very good drug, is it? It's pretty, um, harmful right we have like alcohol anonymous to to help people who have suffer from alcohol addiction so we know it's addictive um and i i personally have a number of stories of friends who have told me that you know they they drive better drunk right or you, you've known somebody who's tried to drive drunk and um uh we that's it's not much of a question that that's fucking dangerous um according to that same report uh eighty eight thousand people uh a year die from alcohol related causes right eighty eight thousand per year um in twenty fourteen thirty one percent of all vehicular fatalities were alcohol related that's about ten thousand people okay so like you know it's it's this horribly horribly dangerous thing but it's legal um Now let's, let's take a look at weed. Right. Uh, and I mean, try to picture it in your head. Like, you know, you've got like the average drunk on one side and just think of how, how dangerous that guy is. Right. Um, now think about the average stoner. Okay. Um, and the statistics, uh, I imagine they would back it up, but you know, notably when I was doing research for this, um, I couldn't actually find that many statistics On marijuana related deaths. Right. Which is it's a little funny, isn't it? Because you'd expect that with all of the uh, uh, advocates for for harsher drug laws and all of the people out there who over the years have said, you know, weed is a killer and it's, uh, you know, it's this terrible, horrible devil's lettuce. Right. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, you'd think that they would be publishing. Those statistics, you'd think that they would have online, easily available, easily Googleable, some list of all of the terrible, terrible things that that marijuana does. And uh, if you look hard enough, you can find a few of them. Um, uh, the ones that I found were from Sam, uh, and Sam stands for. Um, Sorry, I have to look at my notes here because there's a lot of them. Uh, that's uh, the smart approaches to marijuana, right? And they claim that almost all of the claims, you can go to their website and look this up. Almost all of their claims regarding uh, how dangerous marijuana is relate to uh, drivers who have been in an accident um, with a fatality where the the driver at fault Tested positive for marijuana use, right? And so you you think to yourself like, oh, oh, wow. You know, you, you read this and you go, oh man, I it was it must be a lot more dangerous than I thought because you know these numbers and they're, they're pretty good numbers if you're really looking at it. You know, there's a lot, there's they do have a few hundred thousand examples of people who have, uh, you know, died in an accident where the driver tested positive for marijuana. Um, But And this is one of the things that I really want to get into with this podcast is um, this sort of fact checking, right? Because if you look a little more closely at those numbers, um, out of something like 400,000 of them, only 129,000 actually uh, only had marijuana, right? So like these drivers, yes, they tested positive for marijuana, but also they tested positive for alcohol um and one of the one of the other problems with these numbers is that uh your you, you, if you test for alcohol you can test for that um while they're still drunk you you can only really tell that they've been drinking while they're still drunk right you give them a breathalyzer and if they're still wasted it pops hot if they're not it doesn't Uh, But you you don't have a test like that for weed. Uh, The test that you have for weed is a piss test. And this is the one that they're talking about with those, even those 129,000 cases. um, Just because they tested positive quote unquote for marijuana doesn't mean that they were high when they were driving. It just means that they had gotten high sometime in the past month. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's, yeah. So we've got this like weed, right? It's there's not that many circumstances where uh, you can. You would be able to say unqualified that, uh, you know, weeds more dangerous than alcohol. Um, and yet weed is a schedule one substance. It's controlled on the same level as as, as crack and heroin and Cocaine and like all of these other, like verifiably dangerous substances. Right. So we, uh, why, why do we do this? Why? Like, why is it that, you know, for so long we've, uh, we've, we've kept these things illegal. Cause I think in that, in that imaginary society that, that you create, right. If you have any prohibitions at all, weed is probably not going to make the list or if it does. Like everything else is going to make the list, you know, like alcohol, coffee is going to make the list. Right. You know, because that's a psychoactive too. Um, King Rama, the fourth, actually, in Thailand uh, tried to he he had a coffee prohibition and they overturned it like right after he died because it was stupid. Um, you know, but just being stupid isn't enough to repeal a prohibition. And I think we've seen that since uh, at least the 60s with marijuana. So so why do we do this? Um, and, and that, that question is sort of central to why I'm doing this podcast. Uh, I, I wanted to do this because I realized that I didn't know why we did it. I just kind of took it for granted. Uh, I'd always assumed that, you know, drugs are bad, okay. And like, we, we shouldn't be doing them because, uh, you know, well, I very distinctly remember, uh, when I was much younger, And they had that whole D.A.R.E. program, right, with that stupid fucking lion, uh, that I actually, you know, I thought that like, oh, well, marijuana must be illegal because if you allowed marijuana, everyone would just be getting high and no one would go to work. But that, see, that's the sort of thought that you might have uh, when you're like... (laughs) When when you're in high school or junior high school and you don't know any better yet, right? You know when when like you don't have the exposure to the world uh, that would tell you that uh, that's not how it works, you know. But as as I I grew older and as I think many of us grow older, we we start to be notice that there are like <laughs> there are perfectly productive individuals who smoke all the time, Uh you know, um. So I got interested in it. And I started to say to myself like what what were the factors what what got us to this point that we're at now um and so that's that's sort of the purpose of this podcast it's it's to suss that out but more than that um i want to provide i want to provide some context right i want to i want to take a look at like history and figure out where 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 did this all go wrong um you know like where where did we end up taking that left turn where uh we went from one day where what you want. And then the next day, like, Hey, uh, you're smoking weed, getting the fucking clink. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it, I was strongly motivated by, by, by how little we knew. And I started to look into it. Um, and there, there were a couple of things that I, right at the outset, just kind of jumped at me. Right. Uh, so, For example, you know, just think to yourself, how old are the oldest drug laws? All right, get a number in your head. I want you to really think about this. So in America, we'll just do the United States, and don't Google it now, okay, because I'll tell you in like two seconds, but how old do you think the first federal drug controls in America were written? Okay. You got it. You got just, just an estimate. Um, all right. Try 1914, uh, with the Harrison act. Right now that you might notice something about 1914, 1914 is around the same time that we began alcohol prohibition. Right. And this was another thing that I found to be really interesting that, Alcohol prohibition and the other drug prohibitions all kind of came around the same time. They were like a bundled thing. It was all part of the same social movement, if not part of the same law, right? And the reason that you know, like, I didn't learn about the Harrison Act in high school. I don't know if you did, but it from the people that I've talked to about this, and I've I've talked to quite a few, uh, no one seems to know about this this fact. Um but we all know about alcohol prohibition, right? We all read up on you know the speakeasies and we've got this kind of picture in our heads of guys in spats holding tommy guns like smuggling liquor in the boot of their car and um you know it, like we I think we learned about that because um because it's safe to teach people about it right if you're uh, if if you're trying to let you know let's go back to our our proverbial like dictator right which we don't really have but this sort of imaginary created a society and made prohibitions thing if you unmade one of your prohibitions talking about that in isolation from the rest is what you'd want to do you wouldn't want to talk about the ones that are still going on right because it kind of paints this picture where you're looking at them both similarly you're like well wait if we allowed alcohol again why 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 is weed still illegal right you know why are all these other drugs still illegal you know and Um, You know, I I use weed primarily just because it's the one that most obviously uh, is dumb to prohibit. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, the other ones, even though you could make reasonable arguments for saying that, like, cocaine should be illegal and things like that, um, the amount of harm that we are taught they cause is uh, overblown, just like it is with marijuana, just like it is with, uh, you know, with a lot of the other drugs up there. Um, you know, I remember, uh, specifically being told that if I took ecstasy, right, I would end up with golf ball sized holes in my brain. This was one of those, those rumors that made the rounds, um, you know, and it was like, well, that's, that's not, that's bullshit. It's utter bullshit. Right. And I can only imagine that, that a rumor like that started with, uh, you know, some like community activism group that wanted to, to dissuade people from doing the drug. Um, but you know, so we we started prohibiting these things in 1914. Now, now let's let's try another little exercise really quick, okay. Uh, when do you think we first started drinking? All right, And when do you think we first started smoking weed? Okay, Come up with those numbers. Uh, and then do the same thing for for coke, co- coca or cocaine. And poppy, which is where opium and heroin come from. All right, so we've been the there is evidence of the very first use of alcohol in 9000 BCE before the Common Era. Right? Um, there's evidence of marijuana uh, use in the third millennium before Common Era, and it may actually have been used a lot longer than that, depending on who you're who you're talking to and who you believe. Right. Um, but things that old, it's it's a little difficult to kind of tell these things sometimes, right? Coca uh, has been in use since the third millennium, right? So, uh, and uh, BC, of course. We're not in the third millennia uh, uh, in the common area yet. Uh, and poppy wa- has been used since around the fourth or the fifth millennium BCE, right? So we've been doing these things for thousands and thousands of years and thousands of years and thousands of years, right? But we've been prohibiting them quite seriously for maybe a hundred and change uh, and that see to me that seems weird, maybe you don't find it weird, but I find it a little weird um and so the why is it that our notions about these things are so terribly off like why don't we actually know about this stuff and I think there's a lot of reasons uh you know it's it's when you're whenever you're looking at a social Construct or a legal construct or any of the rest of that stuff, you're really looking at like this big complicated mess, right? You're talking about all these different sort of like chaotic influencers, you know, society, and you've got religion, and you've got, uh, you know, culture and counterculture, and then you've got like the law, and then you've got an industry, right, and moneyed interests, and you've got just there's this giant mess of uh, this kind of tangled web of motivations and influences. Um and so you know those the the upshot of some of those for us at least in 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 this generation and previous generations has been, uh, like we were subjected to propaganda as something fierce, right? Um, the, you know, do anybody remember that that commercial with the egg with that like kind of attractive young woman, right? And she's in a kitchen and she's like, "This is your brain," and she holds up the egg and then she smashes it and she's like, this is your brain on drugs?" And like, you know, back then you could kind of like, I, I watched it and I was like, okay, I sort of see what she's saying, but I, I feel like looking back on it, like how, like really what, you know, my brain's an egg and my brain on like, you're literally just, you're not making any real statements there. Um, you know, and then there's like the dare project and the dare lion, you know, uh, For some reason, I guess a lion is a good example of a winner that doesn't do drugs. Um, There's another good one, too. If you've ever played an arcade game from, uh, you know, the 80s or 90s, then you've seen uh, Don't Do Drugs at the beginning of it, right? It says winners don't do drugs. And I'm like, well, I guess if you're talking about video games especially, that's right. You know, I mean, I can't picture myself uh, scoring terribly high on Galaga, like, tripping on LSD for example um, but you know I, I suppose it's a it's a nice enough message um, And so you know we've been subjected to this propaganda machine uh, and then beyond that we also have this sort of social taboo that's existed around drugs for a while, right We've um, we, we assume kind of or at least there's this this sense that if you're talking about drugs, like, you've probably already made a few assumptions about me, haven't you? What drugs have I done in my life? Do you do you have an idea of that? Or at least have you thought that you had an idea of that? Or do you have a sense that maybe I did? Um, You know, uh, and I think that, and I, I wouldn't blame you if you did. Here's the thing. Because we've been sort of programmed that people who talk about drugs either are really really for them or really really against them you know we we have the the crusaders who uh you know get up on the pulpit in the house of representatives and uh when they're running for president there's like we're gonna have a harder stance on drugs um and then on the other end of it you've got you know this this sort of image in your head of the hippie right he's like man you know the man just won't let us like It's just a pet, man, you know, and like the only other reason that the only reason you'd have for talking about it if you weren't a politician is to advocate, Um, you know, and that really that that kind of a taboo, it it does a few things. It it prevents you from talking about it. Right. And when you're prevented from talking about something like that, it the, the total lack of discourse is like a conversation in itself, isn't it? It says things like the medium is the message, right? You know, if, if you're not allowed to talk about drugs, well, that must mean they're quite serious. That must mean that they're going to affect you deeply or, or we wouldn't avoid talking about them. The mere mention of them can harm you socially. And, and that, you know, that creates a circumstance, you know, you, you multiply that across millions and millions and millions of people and it it creates a social reality, doesn't it? Um, and, you know, you can see uh, the effects of that social reality in, like, your history class, right? Did they ever tell you in history class about, about opium and the opium wars, right? Did they tell you about, uh, you know, cocaine? Did you, or did you learn that Coca-Cola had cocaine in it from your buddy who you were hanging out with after school smoking cigarettes who was like, you know, they used to put cocaine in Coca-Cola, man. That's where the name comes from. You know, I don't know about you necessarily, but where I learned it was from circumstances like that with somebody who was kind of fringe being like, Hey man, you know, I got, uh, let me lay it on you. And for a while I thought that, you know, when you heard something in that format, you always had to take it with a grain of salt, right? You know, cause there's all these conspiracy theories and there's like, you know, me fucking stoners like Jesus Christ l- lay off it. All right, just relax. But really a lot of the information that I got that way was more accurate than what I got from my history professor. Like how fucking crazy is that? Um, you know, and so I started looking into this and I decided, well, fuck it. Let's just do a podcast. Let's let's see if we can start a conversation here. And while I'm learning about all this stuff and researching all this stuff, I'm just going to give it to you guys. Um, so, you know, I, 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 there's like there's a lot to go over. There's a lot to go over. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of this, this bad history to roll back. And so what we're going to be doing here, what I really want to be doing here is to sort of educate, entertain, inform, right? You know, that's what they tell you to do. Uh, when, when you're looking into podcasting, if you Google it, uh, it'll be like you need to do one of three things. Uh, and, uh, we're, I'm going to try and do all three. So, um, we're going to be going over, uh, the, the current situation and that's going to take us a while because the current situation is super like super fucking complicated. You know, it is, it is an absolute mess. Um, do you know about Rohrbacher far, for example, uh, Rohrbacher far, it's an amendment that was recently, uh, that was, it was passed in 2014 and it was recently reinstated as Rohrbacher Blumenauer. Uh, basically it's the reason that the feds haven't knocked down the door, uh, of every grow in Colorado yet because uh, they can't because Farr far Rohrbacher Blumenauer uh, tells them that they, well, they can't spend money on it, which means that they can't actually do anything because anytime they want to perform an action, got to spend a few bucks. Um, so, you know, there there's, uh, let's see, what what else are we going to be going over? We're the lobbying circumstances that surround all of this. And that's a big complicated mess too. Um, there's a ton a ton of uh, institutions and people who are fighting both for and against legalization. Um, And, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to get to know them because I, that's another thing that I feel like I don't know enough about yet. Right. You know, I don't know if I were, if I had money and I was going to give it to a campaign, I wouldn't know who to give it to. So we're going to get into that. And, you know, you listen to me and you listen to this and you'll know too. And then we'll be able to make a little bit of change around here. Right. Um, and it's, it, you know, researching this stuff messes with my head a little bit, right? Because I'm, I, 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 try to think to myself. I try to. I always like to put myself in the position of the people who sit on the other side of the fence, right? Who are who don't think like me, and I'm trying to th- I, like who the hell is against legalization anyway, right? And the the, the quick things that that like. Burst into my head that make me feel like a little bit of a conspiracy theorist are like, well, maybe it's the the pharmaceutical industry, right? Who you know they they don't want a replacement for their medications to go get out there, and so you know like marijuana could replace all of these various and sundry um, opium derived, funny enough, uh, pain medications, right? Um, and that's that's a big moneymaker for these guys um you know but i i don't know see i don't have the facts to back it up yet which is what we're going to get into uh i i think about like maybe the prison industrial complex you know has has some skin in this game right because uh what what was it It is 46 i think 46 percent of all federal inmates are in for nonviolent drug offenses and most of them are minorities. So, you know, let that boil for a second. It's, it's kind of shitty, right? We, we, we shouldn't be doing that. I don't see a reason to do that, but you know, Hey, maybe, maybe you think that addiction, it, maybe you're one of those people that thinks that addiction is a crime rather than a medical condition. Right. Um, you know, and it's okay. You're allowed to have your opinion. You're allowed to have your wrong, your very wrong opinion because it's a fucking medical condition. Um, but you see here, we're going to get into the weeds of why that is. And one of the things that I want to do here is to arm you with knowledge. So when you get into a discussion with somebody who thinks that addiction is a crime rather than a medical condition, you don't just say that the way it is. You back yourself up with a little bit of knowledge. Um, so we're going to get to know a few, uh, we're going to learn about some government, governmental departments, uh, like the Office of National Drug Control Policy, right? Did you know that we have a czar in this country? Well, we actually have czars for a whole, whole ton of things. There's an energy czar, there's a military, there's, there's there czars for a whole slew of things. And a czar is really just uh, sort of an advisor to the president, somebody who controls uh, a, a specific range of policy and we have a drug czar and he that's the director of the office of national drug control policy um and we're gonna we're gonna learn we're gonna learn about some of our allies too we're gonna be thanking some people on this podcast which i really can't wait to do because some of these folks like i didn 't know about them before I started researching them, and that is that itself is criminal that should be prohibited because these guys they 're working super super hard, and they do really good work so we 're going to learn um, let me just rattle off a few here the Global Commission on drug policy those are good guys uh, it 's a panel of like world leaders and intellectuals they 're based out of Geneva. Um, a couple of notable members who you may have may or may not have heard of are Richard Branson, right, the CEO of Virgin; Kofi Annan, uh, he used to be head honcho in the UN; um, and Paul Volcker. Uh, and the economy nerds will know who Paul Volker Volker is. He's the one who uh, came up with the Volcker Rule, but I'm, I won't get into the weeds of that. That stuff, if you're not into. Uh, you know, economics, uh, they can get really boring really quick. But short, long story short, uh, Paul Volcker is cool. We like him. He's a good guy. Uh, we'll be talking about the Drug Policy Alliance, another bunch of good guys, the Students for Sensible Drug Policy. And they're cool as hell. It's a student led drug policy group. Like how m- big are your balls to be in a school and to join a group that is just like blatantly pro-legalization. You know, you've got to have your RA just jumping down your throat at every possible turn. Um, There's law enforcement against prohibition, which I just think is fucking cool as hell. This group, they've got about 100,000 members, um, a little more than 100,000 members, and it's cops. They're cops, actual cops. So, you see, you don't have to hate all of them. Not all cops are bad. Um, You know, at least these ones are fighting for legalization, so... Thank you, you guys. Um, we're going to be learning about Normal, uh, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana, which is one of the older groups uh, founded in 1970, so like right after the major drug war got kicked off. Uh, they, they, were, they were right behind the cue ball and getting ready to do it. Um, there's the Marijuana Policy Project, the Americans for Safe Access, the International Drug Policy Consortium, the November Coalition. Uh, those guys, they helped out Tyrone Brown, uh, now, Tyrone Brown was a guy, he got into trouble for um, holding a guy up with a friend of his at gunpoint, which he shouldn't have done. That was really bad. Um, <laughs> funny enough, what, the, the holdup, he, the, so they hold this guy up and he gives them his wallet and they take the $2 in the wallet out and they give him the wallet back. Um, so for this, he gets put on probation, right? And then he violates his probation, by pissing hot for weed and he gets life for it. You didn't hear that wrong life for violating your probation by smoking marijuana. Um, So uh, the November coalition, they were uh, one of the groups that actually stepped in to help this guy out and he received a pardon. He's, he's no longer uh, serving a life sentence for smoking a fucking joint. Uh, You know, and they, if you're wondering why it is that I think we need to do this podcast, just look at that and, and that should answer it. And if you still think we shouldn't be doing this podcast, then, you know, maybe you're not the audience that this was meant for and you should go listen to, I don't know, something else, Breitbart or whatever. Um, there's Arrowid, their 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 allies, the uh Open Society Foundation, uh, which was founded by George Soros and uh has put one point five billion dollars so far uh into criminal justice reform spending, which is exactly sort of what we're talking about. Um and then, you know, we, we got a couple of odd bedfellows, fellows, one of them being the Cato Institute, who other than here I'm not a huge fan of, but, um, you know, they were founded by the Koch brothers. Uh, and if you don't know about them, Google more. Okay. Just like learn more about current events and politics and stuff like that. Cause these guys, they control a lot of what your life looks like. Um, you know, and they're these sort of libertarian, uh, you know, bajillionaires who just put tons and tons of money into lobbying. But one of the things that they've lobbied for are, uh, more relaxed drug laws and an end to the drug war. So, we will give them a qualified thanks for that. Um and then, you know, on the other side of things, we're going to be uh also going into a couple of people that we might be throwing a little shade at, you know, folks that we don't like. Uh and uh these guys, you know, there's a whole bunch of groups out there that just like the ones I went over just now are lobbying and sort of NGOs and like they're, they're groups that are committed to trying to change the world a little bit, but these guys want to make drugs more legal and it's the world federation against drugs. Uh, it's, uh, dare, right? Uh, you know, remember the lion and all the rest of that, that, that nonsense. Um, Sam smart approaches to marijuana that I talked about before. Um, and they're funny when we get into them, you're going to learn about some of the statistical, black magic that you can do to try and make a point uh when you know you're full of shit right you know because in order to to bend statistics in a certain way you have to be bending them and if you're bending them then you've got to know that you're wrong right i mean I, i that's my assumption at least is that if you if you have to hunt too terribly hard for a statistic that supports you, you must have come across all of the plethora of statistics that don't support you. But you, you're going to choose to just pick this single one. And that's more than just confirmation bias. That's being full of shit. If you ask me, you know, you're going to hear a lot of opinions on this podcast, but I'll, I'll let you know when it when it's an opinion. Uh, there's Partnership for Drug Free Kids. We're, who who I think with the name, you know, laying it on just a little thick, aren't you? Uh, they used to be you, you've you heard about them, but they were called back then Partnership for a Drug Free America. I guess they felt like America didn't hit hard enough. And so now we've got to protect the kids. Um, interestingly enough, those guys, uh, they were founded by an advertising company, the uh, the American Association of Advertising Agencies, to be specific. Um, we're going to learn about the national Institute on drug abuse. Um, and they're a really big, weird fish. Uh, they've got a government granted monopoly on marijuana for research purposes. They're part of the federal government, um, under the U S department of health and human services, but they, um, there's a lot of really, uh, they've made a lot of people very unhappy, and they're sort of the guys that like people like Jeff Sessions go to when they want some statistics that back up their claims that marijuana is dangerous. Right. So that's those guys. Um, there's CADCA, the community anti-drug coalitions of America could have picked a better, you know, acronym for that, but whatever Uh drug free America foundation and the drug prevention network of the Americas. And the, the, those, the, the two lists I've just given you of sort of our allies and our enemies, right. Um, they're, those are abbreviated. Those lists are way, way longer. And so when we get into them, what we're going to, we're going to take real close looks at like, who's running the show? What have they been up to? Like, what are they doing? And I'm going to try and keep you up to date on who's the most active and what they're doing and whether you can do anything about it or, or help them, you know, depending on what we're talking about. Um, so that's one thing that I really want this podcast to get good at. Uh, we're also going to be taking a more sort of, Mm. excuse me, sorry about that, going to take a quick drink, sorry. It's 2.07 a.m., and I'm drinking coffee. Um, why am I doing this? Because uh, I'm recording in my apartment, and during the day, people are driving everywhere, and you can, this microphone that I have totally picks it up, so I have to record at night, which means that I'm, like i'm here now i don't go out into the sunlight it's it's really it's it's sad and it's bad and i hate it but this is these are the sacrifices i'm making for you for you the listener so that we can fight this beast together right so honor my sacrifice anyway um so we're going to be looking into uh sort of on a more granular level who in the government is with us and against us, right? And our allies, uh, they include people like Dana Rohrabacher of Rohrabacher-Farr, Earl Blumenauer of Rohrabacher-Blumenauer, Ed Perlmutter, uh, Bernie Sanders, he's he's an ally too, um, you know, from Vermont. Fuck yeah, Bernie. Um, And then some of the shitheads, uh, you know, Jeff Sessions, obviously. And if you didn't know, I want everybody who hears this um, from here on out, instead of Jeff Sessions, refer to him by his full name. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions the third, like, you don't even need to know anything about him. If you just heard that name right off the bat, you'd know he was kind of a douche, wouldn't you? Um, there's also let's see other other people we don't like: Tom McClintock, fuck that guy; Dianne Feinstein, Chuck Grassley, John Micah, John Fleming, um, you know, and the, those are all Congress critters who we you know or Senate people that we. We'll get into why they're bad, but we're going to I'm going to show I'm going to try and show you where the lobbying money goes and it goes through them and what bills come out. Right. Because really, these these Congress critters very frequently are just they're kind of like processing machines. Right. They're like they're like meat grinders and you take like the whole hunk of meat, the money, and then you grind it down and it kind of poops out the other end in this like sticky, wet, massive legislation. Um, at least that's how I look at lobbying. And, you know, it's. I could do a whole nother podcast just on lobbying and how shitty it fucking is. But we'll get into that enough here without boring you with all of the details. I'll try to make it, like, fun, you know. I don't know. I'll talk shit about these guys. I'm definitely going to talk shit about some of these guys. Um, and then we're going to go and do, like, bills and laws and shit like that, you know, the things, the actual movements themselves uh, that, that we should be keeping an eye on. Um, there's like Rohrbacher or Blumenauer, uh, and that just got reaffirmed. It used to be Rohrbacher or Farr. Um, there's uh, I want to take a real look, and we might spend an episode on each of these on how legalization went down in each state, right? You know, because I think that would be a really cool thing to just just kind of know, just kind of be aware of. Uh, we're gonna look at Col- Amendment 64 in Colorado, Prop 64 in California, um, H 1561 in Massachusetts. Uh, and you know some of the other ones uh, potentially where we might be looking at uh, some of the attempts to legalize that are underway now. And this is where I think this is I think that's going to be really cool. So we're gonna, in New York. They've got a thirty five oh six and S thirty forty. Both of which would kind of make weed like alcohol, right? You know, so you'd be able to they'd be controlling it and regulating and taxing it uh, in the same fashion as alcohol, which I think is probably the best way to go. Um, In Alabama, they've got uh, House Bill 269. Probably not going to pass, according to the Marijuana Policy Project, but, um, you know, at least they're thinking about it, and it's Alabama. Um, I'm not going to talk too much shit because I don't know if any of you are from Alabama, but, you know, some really backwards laws out there. So if you are, I'm very sorry, and we're going to do our best to help you out. Um, Texas has House Bill 81 as well, and so, you know, we're going to be looking at the sort of ways that we can uh ways that we can affect the landscape how what we can do to fix the situation we're in right um you know cuz it's a big fucking mess i mean there's no reason for us to have most of these drugs be illegal and what they do you see there one of the reasons i want to see the end of the war on drugs it has little to nothing to do with whether or not i get to do these things frankly um you know any adult who's got Gray matter between the ears can figure out how to do these things, even though they're illegal, right? You know, there are drug dealers. And that's part of the problem is that with the war on drugs, we have the creation of uh, a sort of permanent underclass and uh, this, this black market, right? You know, they talk about uh, how... <laughs> I love this too because it's such fucking backwards thinking. They talk about how drugs cause violence and they lead to the degradation of communities and a general social breakdown. No, 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 no. That's not even remotely fucking true. The, the real thing that goes, goes down, the way it actually happens, is that a black market creates all of those. Because with a black market, you have serious, powerful economic incentives that belong entirely to folks that, by their very nature, are criminals. And so if you're a criminal enough on on this side, why not fucking shoot somebody? Why not rob somebody, right? You know, and like, so you're never going to see like somebody running into a bar and shooting the fucking bartender to steal all of his Patron, right? Or his Johnny Walker blue or whatever terrible fucking excuse for top shelf. You think you drank, um, no, no offense to those two particular premiums, but you know, I, I used to be a bartender, and they're both—they're actually terrible. You think that they're great, but they're not. Do not ever buy Johnny Walker Blue. Okay, it's blended. It's fucking blended. If you're gonna pay that much for scotch, buy single malt. All right. Like, I'm—I'm I'm giving you this is extra information. Nothing to do with prohibitions. Okay, but like, seriously, Johnny Walker Blue, lay the fuck off it. You're paying for a label. Um, but you know, this creation of a a black market is entirely due to prohibitions and it doesn't fucking work it doesn't the war on drugs doesn't actually reduce drug use in any measurable fashion um you know and like there you you can look at it uh, in 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 sort of wide broad terms but you can also look at it more specifically like you remember we were talking about dare right and um dare so like, nobody has ever been able to prove that it works. Right. Like, and that it's made even more frustrating looking at it because they don't have any centralized accounting. Um, so like, there's no way to tell how much money they're actually wasting on all of the nothing that they do. And um, so, but you, you can, their drug um, They, they, they published a report and I'll link to it on all of the various social media things uh that where they estimated the the dare the costs for dare right and they did it the, their methodology was pretty good and they tell you very specifically what it is so you know i'm i'm inclined to believe them when when they take a look at this because they they had a good way of going about it you should read the report they basically took you know ex- individual expenses and they multiplied them right by the amount of like people in the DARE program and how many people were working for him and such and so on and so forth. But you you can read it for yourself. But the annual cost, their estimates for the annual cost of the DARE program were more than $1.04 billion with a B. And that's annually, right? That's not like since their inception. So every year we take a billion dollars and we burn it in order to make ourselves feel like we're teaching kids not to use drugs, right? We, We, in order to create commercials like, uh, you know, about eggs and, um, you know, a fucking cartoon lion and just like the absolutely worst pieces of acting that I've ever seen where you've got a kid coming up to another kid behind the school and going, hey, man, you want some weed? And he pulls fucking joints out of his pocket. Like how out of touch do you have to be to think that that's how people sell drugs? You fucking morons. Like that's not nobody's ever tried on the street to sell another person a joint. Okay. You'd get your ass kicked or you'd be laughed out of town. Uh, you know, you, you buy it and like, I mean, fucking, you can't even get it in that small amount anymore, much less pre-rolled uh, it anyway. Like, you know, so these people, they're just completely out of fucking touch and they're wasting all our money. Um, and that's another problem with the war on drugs. We've spent over a trillion dollars uh, on it. And that's a pretty conservative estimate actually. Um, and you know, a trillion with a T that's a lot of money dudes and chicks and peoples and you know men women children of all ages children actually if you're a child of any age stop listening to this right now I'm gonna (laughs) please don't listen to this podcast if your parents find out that I'm talking to you the way that I'm talking to you and about the things that I'm talking to you about they'd probably be rather upset with me which is yet another thing that I would like to change okay I don't want to be going out there and telling kids to do drugs but I think by telling them what drugs are and what they do, but like honestly, you know, like saying like, hey, if you do these things now, you're going to fuck your life up. You can try them later. Um, That's a much better policy than just being completely fucking zipper-mouthed about it, right? You know, I mean, my parents didn't talk to me much about drugs when I was a kid, and I ended up, well, we don't have to go into it, but, uh, you know, I don't, Putting your fucking foot down and saying no is the same as sticking your head in the sand because people are going to do like people are going to do, you dig? It's not like you can't actually stop this ball from rolling. You can ignore that it's rolling at your detriment, which we've done as a society for a 100 years now, but you can't make it just stop, okay? It's too easy to get your hands on all this stuff. Um... And so we're going to go we're, we're going to go into all all of the, the sort of the current um, the current events picture. Right. And I want to spend at least a little bit of time every episode going over like the most recent news. So you're going to hear about, um, you know, what the most recent bills are, when they're going to be going through and what you can do about it. You know, I'll be giving you phone numbers for the, the Congress critters. You got to call if uh, your state has an important bill coming up soon. Um, you know, and that kind of stuff, just to, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll make it easy for you to get involved. That's what I want to do here. Um, one of the things I want to do here now, uh, one of the other things I want to do, because, you know, I I think to understand, excuse me, to understand, I promise you, I'm not snorting things here. I just kind of have, I'm getting over a cold, um, to understand the sort of, uh, the, to understand where we are, we have to see where we came from. Um, right. And I, I, think, you know, if we're really going to get a solid logical picture of what the drug war is, we're going to have to look at the history, right? So we're going to be covering the history of, of drugs and drug prohibitions. There's going to be a lot of that. Um, we're going to go over the opium wars. All right. And the opium wars, those are fascinating. It's, uh, that's, it's actually a trade conflict, right? The, the name opium wars is something that the Chinese came up with, uh, after the fact because uh, it was sort of almost a propaganda tool. I mean, opium was, it factored for sure. It was a huge factor in in the opium wars. But um, the opium wars were this sort of battle over like silver and sovereignty, right? It was the British versus the Chinese because the Chinese didn't want the British importing tons and tons and tons of opium, right? And so the the British, uh, you know, there there was this whole like the, the Chinese, the British were importing, uh, something, I think at the height of it, it was 9.8 million pounds of opium into China annually. And, uh, the Chinese didn't like that. So what they did was, um, uh, you know, and actually the, that figure, uh, I don't want to mislead you. That figure is from after the opium wars, but as of the opium wars, it was something like 1400 tons, which works out to about 2 million pounds. Um, the, so the Chinese, they destroyed all of the stock of opium that the British had in China. And the British, like, they didn't like that, right? They like, fucking, you fucking burned up all our opium and you didn't pay for it. Um, so, you know, they that led to a trade conflict. Um, and that's the first opium war, what ended with the signing of the Treaty of Nanking, which gave the British the island of Hong Kong, right? It was in our lifetimes that Hong Kong went back to being under Chinese control, like that's how that's how long the effects of the ripple effects of these events are. Um, uh, we'll be covering the prohibition of alcohol, right? Of course, we have to cover the prohibition of alcohol. You know, the speakeasies and the gangs and all the the rest of that. We're really going to take a look at like I want to take a real good look at smuggling, right? I want to see. I want to know how much money did those guys make. And where did that money end up? Right. You know, because there's been some talk like I I know I've heard rumors, at least that the Kennedy's are are at least they come from a little bit of maybe maybe that illegal alcohol money. You know, you never know. So we're going to take a real look at that. We're going to get woke on uh, the prohibition of alcohol and importantly, the end of the prohibition on alcohol. Right. Because what we want to do is we want to take examples from the past. And we want to put them in a modern context to see what it's going to look like when these prohibitions end. And it's not going to be one for one. It's not going to be exactly the same. But I think there are lessons that we can learn. Right. Um, We're also going to look at the rest of the early 1900s and all of the drug laws from back then. Uh, I may have mentioned earlier that uh, alcohol, the prohibition on alcohol wasn't just a prohibition on alcohol. Uh, Around that very same time, the same social movement uh, moved to prohibit all the other drugs um and the difference is that we learn about alcohol prohibition history we don't learn about the other ones so we're going to do that we're going to learn about all the other uh, drug prohibitions and their beginnings their humble beginnings um right you know with the uh uh the Harrison Act um and you know we're we're really going to we're going to get into those weeds and we're going to we're going to get woke on that too um And we're going to go over the Nixon administration. Right. Because how could you not go over the Nixon administration? Um, It was the beginning of the war on drugs and like Vietnam actually factors pretty heavily into that. There was this report uh, about how troops in Vietnam were experiencing epidemics of heroin use, Um, you know, and there's so we're also going to be we're going to end up going into some science too because uh you know they used that as a propaganda tool for all of the other prohibitions that the rest of the war on drugs in the states right you know because this report comes out and like shortly later nixon declares drugs public enemy number one and uh you know then we're fucked for the next 50 years but um Interestingly, more recently, there have been scientific studies on things like addiction, right? You know, and they, they had that uh, that study where rats, when left in a cage with a button that dispenses cocaine, will just sit by the button all day long until they die. Like they will they they will die force the, their cage to drop cocaine on them and they'll do cocaine until they're fucking dead. Right. And so you, you're like, Whoa, well, that's bad. That, you know, this is that, 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 that study was used to prove the addictive potential and how, how evil and terrible drugs were. Um, they recently redid that study. And, uh, what they did differently this time was they built them like the best cage ever for a rat. Right. Instead of just a little cage with like fucking nothing in it, and like pellets for food. They gave them better food. They gave them uh like a structure to run around in and do their little rat stuff. You know, they gave them beds that were comfortable. Like they they made the rats comfortable, and they still had that little tab that dispensed cocaine. Well, what do you think happened? They didn't get hooked. Yeah, they went and they pressed the button and they did some they did some fucking coke. You know, they were ready to party, but uh they didn't just sit by the button all day long. And why, why would that be? I, you know, I, I, I would like to think, I do think that, you know, it relates to the soldiers in Vietnam a little bit. If you put a rat or a human in a situation where everything is shit, everything fucking sucks, death is around every corner, or alternatively, your entire life is just bleak and you've got nothing to do but sit on, uh, you know, uh, your little metal rat cot and that's it and you've got access to drugs you're going to fucking use them as much as you possibly can aren't you because you're going to want to escape you're going to want to go to a different place but if they're just there to augment the already fairly decent standard of living that you have most people don't end up dying from them you know and there are there are exceptions you hear about your rock stars who totally get fucked and shit like that uh you know from drugs but uh you know your Hendrixes and uh uh and, and and things like that but um, by and large, statistically, and, uh, you know, through some of these trials, we're beginning to realize that uh, drug abuse and drug use and addiction have actually a lot more to do with your circumstances, right? So this th- the, the report comes out on heroin, Nixon declares the war on drugs, we're going to get into all of that in like vivid, HD, gory fucking detail, right? We're going to really get into the weeds there, so to speak. Um, you know, and, uh, we're going to look, well, when we do that, we're also going to look at some of the, uh, you know, cause it, what it started with the Nixon administration, but then you have Ford, Carter, Reagan, and Bush, right. And those are the next, that's the next batch. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and we're going to look into all of them and you know, what, what they added, uh, you know, cause the, the war on drugs and the DEA, they're really, it, they're not. At least I, I used to think of them as sort of like a thing that happened, right? You know, it, like one day, no war on drugs. Next day, war on drugs. But really, it's actually more of like a rubber band ball, right? And every president kind of adds a whole bunch of rubber bands onto this ball. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, like, that's, that's what a lot of these laws actually look like. They're incremental. And I think it's important to understand that because as we try to uh, get into what we can do about this shit um, we're, we're, we need to have an understanding of, of how it goes down. And it's not, um, you know, it's not binary. Uh, it's never binary. All of the, these, these bits of legislation, like there are moments that we can point to and say that was a big event, but, um, it's the, they, the people who institute these prohibitions and the people who've been pushing for this shit, um, they're really good at, you know, what I like to call boiling the frog, right? You know, and I think the actual, the actual uh, example of boiling a frog, like it's been disproven, but the idea is that if you put a frog in boiling water, he jumps out, right? If you put a frog in cold water and then you put it on the heat and you let it boil slow, he's going to sit there and get used to each incremental change in temperature until he boils to death. And that's, very much what they've done with drug prohibitions. They keep moving the goalposts just a little bit further. And then by the time their goalpost is like in our end zone. We don't even know. We didn't even, we didn't realize that they've been changing it this whole time. And now we've got this whole giant fucking mess to work back through. That's not just law. It's society. It's culture. It's propaganda. It's, it's all our, our entire understanding of the situation has fundamentally changed. And that's a much bigger beast to tackle. So, but it is the beast that we are tackling here today um, on this podcast. Um, so yeah, so the, what that's, that's pretty much all of it. That's, that's more or less where we're going to be going. That's the teaser, right? Um, everything you heard about here, it's going to get its own episode. Uh, and we're going to be going real deep into a lot of this stuff. Um, but you know, we're going to start, I think with some of the history and one of the, uh, in one of these early episodes, I want to start, I think the, the, the history is best done. In sequence, right? Because it's like I said, with this boiling frog thing, you know, our attitudes towards drugs kind of changed over time. And I think that understanding that in context and really seeing it uh, is going to provide us with the best picture. So we're going to start with the opium wars, we're going to start with, uh, you know, this whole thing that went down between the British and the Chinese, Um, and uh, that may take a couple of episodes, but I'm also going to pepper in a little bit of current events to each of them so it doesn't get, like, really boring and lame, Um, but it won't be boring anyway. I mean, you know, you don't need to be a history buff to find it really fascinating, some of the stuff that went down. I mean, there was, like just a huge amount of hubris on both sides. And there was a lot of like nut flexing, you know, where like, you know, the Chinese were like, we're the celestial empire. We're the best thing in the world. And you're all foreign barbarians and you're terrible. And you have to listen to us. And the British were like, Oh really? Well, try this on for size. And then they fucking whooped them. Right. They crushed them. It was one of the most asymmetrical pieces of warfare between two nations. Um, You know, the British just stomped on the Chinese because of their technological superiority and the fact that they'd been fighting a lot of war, um, like much more recently. You know, the Chinese hadn't really had to worry about that kind of stuff as much. Um, But the Brits, uh, they'd been just starting fights with fucking everybody at that point. They were used to it. So when they came through to, to, to give it to them, they gave it to them real hard. Um, you know, and the, and the difference in technology was a big deal too. the British had bigger guns. So uh, we're going to get into that. And um, that's going to be the next episode. And we may I may stagger it a little bit, kind of do the episodes as if they're like, like backstory to this character of modern prohibition. Right. You know, so we'll do like a couple of things on modern pro we'll do something about like Rohrbacher far, and then we'll do something about the, uh, ONDCP. And then, you know, we'll, and then we'll do another bit of history where right? we'll kind of like rewind the clock and take a look at alcohol prohibition. Right. And then we'll come back and we'll do a little more, uh, a few more things, but I think every episode, one of the things I really want to do, and I can't stress this enough. Um, if you want to know about the latest and greatest news with pro Drug prohibitions and the end thereof. Hopefully, um, this—that's uh, what I'm going to try and start every episode with. <laughs> so, uh, well, that—that that was a little bit uh, abrupt, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, what uh, what happened there was I—I uh, I messed up sorry about that I failed to include in my notes all of the things that I'm about to tell you Uh, so I couldn't I didn't finish the podcast off right so I had to actually cut out a whole section of it towards the end there wasn't anything really important in there Um, but uh, it because it didn't have these things which um, are are really really very important Um, uh, you know not quite as exciting as what we already went over Um, but uh, you know you can uh, so you can find us Uh, on the various and sundry web things uh we're on twitter at 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 prohibition podcast pardon me uh we are uh, on patreon uh at patreon.com slash prohibition pretty straightforward um and uh, a little bit about the patreon that's that's probably the best way to uh track all of the other things because it links to all of the other stuff that we do um, and it's also where you can where you can give a little bit to support the podcast if you really want. Um, and, you know, that uh, what the support will do for us is it will allow, well, us, I say us, I mean me right now, but it will allow me to become us. It will allow me to, uh, you know, to hire on a team of people that that can actually help with uh, with the research and with the post-production and all the rest of that and and just really kind of get this thing rolling the way it should. Um, and the rewards are not up yet. Uh, they will be very shortly. Um, but what you can expect if you, uh, if you give a little bit of money to the podcast, um, you'll get access to a whole bunch of like behind behind the scenes stuff. And, uh, we'll add your name to a list of, uh, of, of, you know, uh, sponsors, um, that we're going to put up on, on the Facebook and, and on the Patreon and a bunch of other places because you know, if you, you support us and we'd like to thank you for that. Um, Uh, We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Prohibition Podcast. We will have an Instagram. That's not up yet, so don't stress it. Listen to the later episodes. I'll let you know. Um, If you have anything that you would like to tell me or, you know, feedback, if, if, if you got some hate mail, if you've got some love mail, if you've got a little bit just something that you'd like to hear, something that you're interested in seeing. Uh, hit me up at TheProhibitionPodcast at gmail.com. That's T-H-E, ProhibitionPodcast at gmail.com. Um, we are on SoundCloud uh, at SoundCloud.com slash ProhibitionPodcast. Um, and, you know, you, if you listen to other podcasts, you've probably heard this before. Uh, so it might sound like I'm beating a dead horse. But um, please like us on iTunes and please rate us on iTunes and leave uh, a review Because those reviews, they really matter. They really help to get, uh, you know, push us kind of higher in the queue. So other people who are searching for stuff find us. And, you know, that'll help to get the word out. And, uh, you know, if you think that this is good work that needs to be done, uh, that's a good way to help support it without spending a dime. Um, I want to say a very big thank you to Theogen for providing all of the music. Uh, in this podcast, they're good friends of mine uh, and they they've got this really cool thing that they do. It's all all of the music that you heard on this podcast was improvised. Um, and it's they've they've got their own rig that they've kind of built. And it's it's just really cool stuff. You can hear the rest of the uh, their stuff at soundcloud.com slash Theogen. That's soundcloud.com slash T-H-E-O-G-E-N. Check them out. They are, uh, you know, they're really good getting down with some of the experimental stuff and, and like, I, I, I love what they're doing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't. And if you don't, you probably have bad taste, but that's okay. You can have that. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's it for the first episode. Um, the next episode, we're going to do a little bit more news. We're going to get into, uh, some history probably. And, and yeah, we're, we're really going to start sussing this stuff out and really making it, making it sing, you know, Um, but yeah, check us out on all the things. Come join us. Uh, we're going to have a Reddit up soon too, uh, as well. That's not up as of this very moment, but it will be, um, and, uh, tune in to the next episode to find out where to find it. Other than that, um, I hope all of you keep safe, be real, be straight to each other, uh, you know, and just, just, just live, man. You know, get out there. Don't don't let anyone keep you down uh, and keep you from doing what you really need to do. All right. Anyway, um, this has been Morsello with Prohibition, and uh, I'm signing off. All right. Good night, kids.